Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church! Hey, I, uh, during the sermon prep meeting, I said, Neil, I, I feel like it's not spiritual. Maybe I should switch it to like quoting half of the scripture and the congregation will give me second half. And they said, no, no, that's too churchy. Just stay with good morning, church. That's good. All right. Okay, guys. Uh, my name is Dennis Kozlov. For those of you who don't know me, Brother Luther, right? Yes, good to meet you. Last time I tried to catch you, you, you escaped. <laughs> so good, good, good to see you back. Wonderful. All right. Uh, I had to miss last Sunday. My, my child got sick. I didn't know whether it was contagious or not. So I, 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 but I listened to the message online. By the way, if you miss Sunday, please go to website and listen to the message. You'll be on the same page with the entire church, even if you have to like, go to a vacation or something. It's wonderful. So I listened to Neil's message, and he did a great job. How many of you can? Yeah. It was great. He, 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 he did great. But I was puzzled by something. In the very beginning of the message, he made a disclaimer. He said, I noticed, brothers and sisters, that we've been having this tendency going longer and longer and longer. And I don't want you to think that this is a normal tendency and this is intentional. This is just a slip. So I'm going to watch carefully to make sure we curb this tendency and it stays short and then he spoke and I enjoyed it and then I looked how long he spoke he spoke for almost an hour (laughs) so I was puzzled and I thought I'm gonna do something so I have to be with Neil on the same team so I thought I'll try the opposite approach I'll try the paradoxical approach I'll promise you today that I will try to do my longest sermon ever. I'll drive you to excruciating pain of sitting on your seat. I will test your patience. And here's the thing. If Neil, you know, he overpromised, he couldn't deliver. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to overpromise and I wouldn't deliver. I set your expectations a little lower. And then, at the end of the day, if I fail to keep my promise, I'll be win- it will be win-win. You'll get a short message. I'll be on the same team with Neil. We both are promise breakers. <laughs> yeah, that just was my thinking process. <laughs> All right. You're welcome, Neil. You're welcome. <clears throat> okay. Okay, let's get serious now. We continue this series that we called Radical Growth. It's based on the book called uh, Principle of Spiritual Growth, released, published by uh, Miles Stanford, correct? Uh, good book, written in a stiff language, so we reworked the text of it, and we basically internalized the content of each chapter, and we deliver it from our heart. So you can, we're not just reading a book to you, we, we're delivering heartfelt message. So last week, Neil started, and this message was entitled Discipleship. Today, it's a continuation of that message. It's called Process of Discipleship. 
And we heard some feedback that people really enjoy this series, but it's been a long series. And some, some people say it feels kind of repetitive now, some of the messages, to, both, um, to which both of us, Neil and I, would say it's good. Important things need to be repetitive in our life until they sink in and begin to operate, all right? So you might detect those elements of repetitive things today, but if you open up your heart, if you listen, you will receive the word from God today. All right. So I'll start with the scripture, Luke 9, verse 23. I'll use NIV. Speaking of Jesus, he. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I'll read it again. Then he said to them all, <clears throat> whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. That's a short definition of what a disciple of Jesus is. This is someone who follows Jesus but not sporadically or selectively. It's not like, okay, Jesus, I'm following you today. Where are you going today? Starbucks? Okay, I'm good with that. I love Starbucks. Okay, Joe, what about today? Oh, you're going to slums to serve to uh, homeless people? Eh, I'll take a rain check today. That's not following Jesus. That's following you. Following Jesus means that he determines the destination. He determines the route. He determines what exactly you're going to be doing. That's following Jesus. And he gives this interesting detail. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, which is to be my disciple, he needs to learn this attitude that translates into your daily activity, which is to take up your cross, put it on you, and follow me. Before cross became a piece of jewelry before cross became a common theme in tattoos it was what it was and what it was was a evil tool invented to inflict excruciating pain on a person on all possible levels it was designed to kill a person but not just to kill a person but to kill it in the the most horrendous way to inflict sufferings emotionally, physically, spiritually. And it's Nazis' gas chambers are more humane than a cross if you study the cross. So it's not, it's not a light thing. It's, it's a heavy thing. And Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you have to learn. So the normal human reaction is to shun the cross, to avoid the cross at all possible cost. You don't want cross. If you're honest, you don't want cross. I don't want cross. Neil doesn't want cross. But Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to learn not to turn away from the cross, not to shun, not to run, not to steer clear, but rather to turn to the cross, look into the cross, step towards the cross, Take it and do it daily. That's kind, of, that's kind of heavy, right? That's serious. So I want to talk about it today. At the end of 2020, 
Neil and I did a series of messages called Vital Distinctions. These are very important series. This is a very important series of messages. If you haven't listened to that, go to our website, find it, listen to that. And one of the messages I did in that series was what we did, we, we helped you to make a clear distinction be, be, uh, between certain things that should never be lumped together. One of the messages I did was the message on a vital distinction between the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, the gift, the gift, the gift, and the call to discipleship. The tragedy is a lot of preachers today, they lump those things together, and what happens as a result of that are fruitless Christians who are also tormented souls who live in a shadow of unpleasable God, who can be easily triggered because he's moody. What a, he, can easily, he can be easily triggered to wrath, to anger by anything you do or even think. That's a life of a suffering. That's not a real Christian life, let me tell you. The goodness of God is what attracts you to God. The goodness and grace and mercy of God is actually what gains you, what wins you over, what leads you to repentance, to the change of mind, to metanoia. So I hope I did a good job making this distinction between the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. It, it is unconditional. The only condition is to receive it by faith. You do not attach anything to that gift. You do not. As soon as you attach any requirement to the grace, grace ceases to exist. There is no more grace. It's all on you, brother, now. And you're going to fail bad. So, <laughs> but the other side was a call to discipleship. And that's exactly the verse that I read. There are verses like that that speak of the price, that speak of a condition, that speak of something that you are supposed to respond to in a certain way. So, today I'm talking about this other side. I'm talking about this discipleship side. Sooner or later, after we have received the gift, the gift of life, we begin to hear this call to become a disciple of Jesus like he was. You know, Jesus was the only begotten son of God. He was born of God. He had uh, nature of God. He was God who came in flesh. He was son. He had this spirit of sonship that enabled him to cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, Daddy. He called God Daddy. And that's exactly the same gift that we receive. If you receive Jesus, you receive the spirit of sonship that enables you to call God Daddy, Daddy. And this is the basis. If you don't have that, don't even think about becoming a disciple. I'd, you might be a successful disciple, you, you might not be a great disciple. I don't care. You got to become a child of God first. 
If you haven't received Jesus, you really need to receive Jesus to receive this gift of life and to learn to enjoy this father-son relationship with him that is unconditional, not because you've done something, but because Jesus has done something, not because you deserve it, you, you earn it, but because Jesus deserved it for you. He earned it and he imparted this life in you. And now you can fully, fully live in a guilt-free lifestyle. And you're free from shame, you're free from guilt, you're free from condemnation. This is the power of the gospel. But then there's a call to maturity. As you grow in this relationship with God, you come to realize one thing. And I want you to be real honest with yourself right now. Just be honest. If you're honest, you know, it's... If you're honest, Christian, you're honest about the reality of God's life in you, you say, Lord, it's true. I believed in you and now your spirit came into me and I experienced that on a regular basis. <clears throat> it's true. I cannot deny it. You're real to me as a father. But also, Lord, what true is and it bothers me that I am fruitless. I don't have much fruit in my life. By fruit, I do not mean your subjective, wonderful experiences with the Lord that you have when you worship Him or pray or fellowship with brothers and sisters. By fruit, I mean people gained for the kingdom because they interacted with you. And if you're honest with yourself and you look in, in your life, you don't see many people gained for Christ through you. I mean, maybe some of you have special gift. Maybe some of you are different, but majority of Christians, <clears throat> that's the common situation. They have this mysterious gift of life within them, and it's real. It's real. They cannot deny it. It's real. Oh, man, it's so real. God is real father to them. He comes to their rescue on the regular basis. They experience uh, his touch on the regular basis. When they worship every once in a while, they just, they, they ended up in heaven worshiping him. It's real, people. But it doesn't translate outside for some reason. People are not affected by that. Or at least they, maybe they, they are affected by that. They are influenced. But so intermittently that you don't, have, you don't see much fruit. So if you're like me, if you can be honest with yourself. And if you're like older than 20. But even teenagers can recognize that. But I'm talking about like it, it, it takes some life experience to realize some unpleasant truth about yourself. So you, you would say, yes, Lord, you're real in my life. I love you. Thank you for your gift. But I'm fruitless, Lord. I, I see very little fruit in my life. I do not see a lot of people influenced for the kingdom because they rub their shoulders with me. So, ah. <sighs> Have, how many people have you influenced for the kingdom within the last couple of years? Ask yourself. if It will help you to, to gauge it uh, honestly. So it, it's not for evangelists. It's for every Christian, for every believer to, to, to exercise this influence of the kingdom on other people. So the good thing, let, let me tell you, is that when you try... When you realize you have this situation that is not really desirable and you try to change it and you try hard, sooner or later you realize it, it, you can't. 
It doesn't matter how eloquent you are, how many books you read, how much you know. It doesn't work. I, I like apologetics when they give smart arguments for Christian faith. But overall, it doesn't work. I mean, it helps to remove some of the intellectual blocks for people to come to faith. Those who are like heavy-headed, like who really need arguments. But to come in touch with the reality of God, it doesn't work. So today, I believe that discipleship actually, the call of discipleship is a key element that moves people from just being children of God to being, to, to being someone that actually has kingdom influence in other people. It, it's like a virus. You don't teach it. You, you, yeah, you catch it. It's not taught. It's caught. So if you don't have an active virus on you, people don't get sick around you. So if you don't have this reality that is concealed within you, going outside of you somehow, people are not getting influenced by that. Does it make sense? All right. So let me try to show you a very important biblical fact about you and me that, that will help you and help me to understand how to move from this first situation into a situation of a discipleship. And the first thing you need to realize that like, it involves unpleasant, painful experiences. Because remember, who wants to follow me learns to deny themselves and to take the cross. Actually, it sounds painful. So, it's not a good news when somebody just offers you this part. That's why in this church, we will continually tell you about the goodness of God. That you can endure because you can enjoy. You can endure because you can enjoy. And I'm honest with God. Like, the Lord, when He calls to discipleship, He says, He compares it with a big building project. Like, who builds the tower without counting the cost, Right? And I'm counting the cost, and I'm honest, and I say, Lord, I don't have funds for that. Maybe you're strong like Bruce Willis, but I'm not. Like, Lord, I know me. I know that today, in this moment, I can be happy. Next moment, I'm keeping miserable. And when I'm miserable, when you call me to do something, I'm very often, I'm not able to pull myself and do something. Lord, I don't have these funds to build this tower. So you've got to provide and supply me with your grace to be the disciple of Christ. So please, don't try to be a disciple of Christ without learning the goodness of the Father and learning how to enjoy Him. Remember Potty's message? Father doing business together and daddy just holding on to him i don't understand anything right now but i want to hang on to you daddy so you've got to have daddy in your life before you can do the father stuff in your life this makes sense all right all right good so <clears throat> let me show you one important thing when jesus discipleship has to do with the kingdom with with bringing the reality of the kingdom on this earth now so when Jesus spoke of the, uh, of the kingdom, he, he used very interesting language. How does he speak of the kingdom? He speaks in parables. The biggest chunk of those parables are found in uh, Matthew chapter 13. So I want you to see one particular parable that, and I'm not going to go through the entire parable and tell you things. I want you to see just one element in that parable that will help you to understand certain thing about you in your life and about how discipleship works. 
So let's read it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Then he goes on to say that the enemy of this sower secretly plants different kinds of seeds on the same field, thus creating a mixed reality. So I'm not going to go into details. The story continues on. And then this key element that I want you to see is found in the section where Jesus actually removes himself and his disciples from the crowd, goes to a private setting in a house and explains the meaning of this parable. And now listen carefully. Verse 36 and 37. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So he identifies himself as a sower. The field is the world. And listen to that. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. I want you to see this. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. Everybody knows the parable of the sower. And the sower there and the seed there is identified with the word of God. But this is different. This is not the word of God. This is you. This is a person. A seed here is not a concept, a truth, uh, a teaching, a doctrine. It's, it's Mitch. It's Neil. It's Dennis. It's Luther. You are the seed of the kingdom. And the world is the field where God wants to plant this seed. Right? So what is the seed? Many great minds of mankind were drawn to a mystery of a seed. Several months ago I preached to you and I, I also used the imagery of seed. And I did some research. I really want to get down to talk to you people. But they, they tell me not to, to stay in the light here. <laughs> yeah. So I spoke of the seed and I did some research and I wanted to know what is the ancient, the most ancient seed that, uh, that was discovered by archaeologists today, as of today. As of today, the, the oldest seed that was discovered was discovered in Israel for some reason. 2,000 years old seed of a fig palm. 2,000 old. They took that seed, they planted it. Guess what happened? It sprouted. It germinated. The mystery of life. It's crazy. So a seed is a something very small and, and, and seemingly insignificant. But it, it is a carrier of the nature, of the DNA, of all the qualities, all the characteristics of this big life. But it's in a very small, tiny thing. You are the seed of the kingdom. You're, you're seemingly small and insignificant, although you try hard to look significant. You are small. You are insignificant. But you are the seed of the kingdom. You have all the qualities, all the characteristics. You have DNA of this other life that you received as a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you people. You, you don't get it. <laughs> You are the seed of the kingdom. You've got this mysterious, powerful life within you. But it's within. It's compressed and concise. It's, 
It's hidden. It's concealed by the, by the shell of your self-life. So that's why all people come to know is you, not Jesus, not this life, usually. Every once in a while, there is a little crack and something goes out. And, Whoa, what was that? I was out of this world. That was awesome. What was that? I don't know. So unfortunately, majority of Christians remain this state. They remain as a seed. They love to be together as seeds. You know, when they gather seeds together, it creates some beauty. Have you seen tons of corn seeds together? It's like this golden texture. So beautiful. But nothing's happening. <laughs> it's like a silo. So a lot of Christian ministries and churches, they become these beautiful silos. Grains of wheat gets together. How nice. No fruit, no increase, no growth, but nice. So you're kind of getting where I'm getting at. You're kind of, we're coming close to that. So we are nice people, but we don't bear much fruit. Why? The reason we are like the reason we're like that is that we remain at this initial stage of the seed. We are shiny, beautiful seeds that remain just that seeds. Then seeds are gathered. They're beautiful. I said that already. So how do we change that? The answer is to hear the call to become a disciple of Christ, which is to realize that you are the seed of the kingdom in this world. And listen to that. And to be willing to be sown. To be willing to be planted by Jesus into a specific soul to start the process of spreading this life. Let me read you a verse that you all know, but now apply it to yourself because now you know you are the seed just like Jesus was the seed. John 12, 24, Jesus speaks about himself. It's applicable to us now. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Again, don't confuse it with losing your salvation or losing your gift. It's not about that. But what I'm talking about here, the first part of the verse you remain a single seed if you're not willing to die. Die? What do you mean, Dennis, to die? To die physically? To die like a life of a martyr? Oh, you know what? Maybe. I don't know. That's the highest honor for a Christian to die as a martyr. You know, we're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. You know, the word witness in Greek is the same word as martyr? Yeah. A witness is someone who testifies about the reality that he has an experience of and he cannot deny it and if they put the threat of death to this person to deny it he said I cannot here's what true and they kill him so he's a witness and he's I'm not gonna go in there I'm not gonna scare you most of us most likely will never experience uh, that but if we get close to that we should be so happy this, you will never experience the measure of the Spirit of God working in you that you can experience when you're being persecuted for the Lord. Because this daddy thing becomes so much bigger in your life in those moments. I'm telling you. 
Well, I, I didn't plan to talk about it, but this verse tells us that here what determines whether the seed remains alone or begins to bear fruit. So when you are seed and you are seed, you need to, to be willing to be planted and to die in order to see increase, in order to begin to bear fruit. Our ego, our self-life is that shell. We're born into this world and this world trains us and teaches us that this life is about gaining advantage for yourself, promoting yourself, pursuing your happiness, pursuing your interest. It's not about following anyone. It's about following what you desire, mostly and mainly. You know, and when you learn unnaturally to humans to put that thing aside and say, no, 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 I'm not about myself in this world. I'm a seed. I'm about the harvest. I'm about bringing forth the increase of life of heaven on this earth. And I'm willing to be. Jesus, he saw the reward, increase of brothers and sisters. And he was willing to go to the cross. That should be our attitude. That should become our attitude. We should learn to see that. So when the seed is planted, what happens to the seed? Tell me. It disappears. It's small already. But when you plant it, it loses all this beauty that it originally had. It just disappears. And it finds itself in a very unpleasant environment. Dark, wet, dirty, very different from the seed. The seed looks shiny and metallic and beautiful and reflects the light. And all of a sudden, uh, in this environment begins to actively operate on the seed to crack it up and to disintegrate it and to disfigure it and to destroy it. That's what happens to your ego. You're hurt. You're offended. But if you know that God planted you there, you learn to tap onto this life within you Amen. and overcome all of that through this life that comes from within you. And that's when the, when, when the growth begins, the fruit begins, the fruit-bearing process begins. The very first thing that happens when, when, when your outer sh shell of your self-life is broken you begin to be able to love people with the love of God. I mean, most of us are nice. We have, we have sympathy. We have empathy. We can help people. We can feel for people's pain. But most of it is natural, human, uh, sentimental feelings, which is nice, which is good. But it, it doesn't penetrate deep enough. Love of God is what penetrates deep enough because love of God is the only thing that gains people. Love of God is the only thing that should operate through our faith, it says. Love of God is the only true witness about us that we are the children of God. When people see love among us, true love, that is not of us, that is not from us, it just flows through us. And the self-life, this heart shell, is the thing that prevents that from being exhibited. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.